0: I do hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I really do. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you to do something this morning. Maybe reflect back just a little bit on, on your Thanksgiving weekend. We'll just call it the whole weekend. What would you say was probably maybe your greatest weakness this Thanksgiving? Now, you think about that a moment. And while you're thinking about that, I've had time to think about it, knowing I was going to say that and ask that. Let me show you what mine has been this past Thanksgiving weekend. My greatest weakness, and some of you will be able to relate, I just did not know when to stop eating Thanksgiving lunch. That was the deal. We had this wonderful lunch. And then about three hours later, I decided to go back and eat the lunch again. And uh, you know, maybe not as much as the first time around. And then on top of that, you talk about weakness, about 30 minutes before bedtime, I decided to go back in the kitchen and get me just one more little small slice of that pumpkin pie. And you know, as I thought about that, I admit that was my greatest weakness this weekend. The truth of the matter is, it's all Dottie's fault. You know, Adam blamed Eve, I blamed See, she is a good cook. And when it comes to pumpkin pies, she wins the prize. And, and so, you know, I don't feel so guilty about it at all. And uh, I feel much better just blame it. Don't you find it better just to blame other people than to admit that you messed up yourself? Well, let me ask you a more important question that I do want you to think about. Now, think with me what would you say is your greatest we, uh, greatest weakness as a christian your greatest spiritual weakness now we all have spiritual weaknesses but like if you were making like a list and you said i want to list at the top of my list what my greatest weakness is as a christian like what would it be for some I think they would say, my greatest weakness as a Christian is consistency in my daily Bible reading and prayer time, my daily quiet time. Many Christians would say, you know, I do that, but I kind of get at it and then somehow or another I get out of it and I'm not consistent like I should be and like I want to be. And that probably would be my greatest weakness as a Christian. Others might say, no, probably my greatest weakness as a Christian is my lack of courage to share Christ when I have opportunities to do so. Some people just don't have the, whatever the word is, the courage, the faith, whatever. They just say, that's, that's just an area that I'm not good. I, I, I know I should share Christ more than I do, but that's really a weakness in my Christian life, and I'm working on it, and I can relate to that. Others would say, well, no, I really think my greatest weakness might be unable to totally forgive people. And many people struggle with that. And it's a paralyzing thing. You know, anytime we don't totally forgive, we, we lose, not them. And, and, and God's certainly not honored in that. Well, the list could just go on and on and on. But my sermon today is about a spiritual weakness that I dare say you've never really been aware ever You've probably never thought about it because God put on my heart when I learned John was sick. In fact, I learned he was sick. It's interesting, I was in my study and I have a big old table back in my study and I work over on this side of the table. I've never known why I work on this side of the table. When I eat in my study, I go over and get on the other side of the table. It's a psycho thing, I don't know what the deal is. But I'm over on this side of the table Wednesday working on my sermon for next Sunday morning, and I'm about two-thirds way there, and I told Dottie when I went to work Wednesday morning, I said, I want to really be off Thursday. I want to be off Friday. I want to celebrate Thanksgiving. I'm going down to church. I'm I'm going to rough out my sermon for Sunday week. I'm over here working. Well, my phone rings to tell me John is not going to be able to preach Sunday at all. And I got up and I went over on the other side of the table where I eat. And I tell you what, I did. I prayed. I said, Lord, it's Wednesday, and I need to get up a Thanksgiving sermon for Sunday. And I don't want to take some old Thanksgiving sermon I've preached. God, I want you to give me some direction and what I am going to preach Sunday. And I prayed about that a while. And a verse came to my mind that I believe came from God. That is the focus of my message this morning. And it, it, it shows us very clearly probably what we all would say to some degree or another is a weakness in our spiritual life. And you say, Pastor, what is it? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's failing to thank God daily, praise God daily for all the blessings that he gives us. And I, that came to my mind. And as it did, a quote came to my mind that I had read a few days earlier, not even thinking about a sermon. I saw this quote by a 17th century English preacher. And here's what the quote, and the quote had just stuck in my mind. The quote said, and I quote, when we pray, we act like men. When we praise, we act like men angels. And they're going to put that on the screen. There it is. Thomas Watson. Probably you've never even heard of Thomas Watson. In the the 17th century, he was a preacher and an author in England. And he has a lot of different quotes in things he's written and in things he's preached. And that's one that, that has just always kind of stuck with me. I have it written in some of my Bibles. When we pray, we act like men. When we praise, we act like angels. And then I thought of that verse, and I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 68. And this all happened to me Wednesday morning. This is this is all I had Wednesday morning when I began to work on what I was gonna do this morning. In Psalm 68, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful Psalm. Psalm 68 Uh, is a psalm uh, that that David wrote this psalm, and he wrote it as a praise psalm. He probably wrote it when he conquered uh, Jerusalem, and then he wrote the psalm as a praise psalm to be sung, or he may have written it when they brought uh, the Ark of the Covenant from Abinadab's house into Jerusalem. Perhaps that's when you wrote it. But be that as it may, some dear period of time, it is a wonderful, wonderful psalm of celebrating God's goodness. In fact, look with me just for example in Psalm 68 in verse 4. It says, Sing to God sing praises to his name, extol, that word means praise, praise God who rides on the clouds by his name, Yahweh, and rejoice before him. Then if you go down a little farther into verse 9, it says, you, O God, sent a plentiful rain whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Your congregation dwelt in it. You, O oh God, provided from your goodness for the poor. And as you have time, as you read through this 68th Psalm, you, you just see, praise God for his goodness all over and all over it. Now, in verse 19, after I thought of that quote, I thought of Psalm 68, verse 19. I believe God led me to the verse. I really do. And and it tells us, it tells us what God does. And, and it tells us what we need to do in response. It says, "Blessed be the Lord." Now look at this: who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. If you're a Bible underliner, that word "blessed" comes from a Hebrew word here. It means to kneel. The one used here it means to to bow down. It means to praise. So we're we're to do what? We're to praise the Lord. Who does what? who daily, now in November, Thanksgiving month, we think more about God's goodness and our blessings than we probably do all the other months of the year combined. But notice what this says. It reminds us that that God's benefits and God's blessings are are not once a year, not November. They're every month, every week, Every day, he daily loads us, not just one here and one there. He loads us with benefits, with blessings, the God of our salvation. And so it's a beautiful thing. Now, as I look at that verse and I begin to think about that verse, I thought this, either one or two things, we're so busy living life, we don't see God's blessings or perhaps, it even worse, we see God's blessings, but we fail to thank God for his blessings. It, it, it's one or the other. And and you you ask this question, how in the world can this be? I mean, how can you and I live life, no matter what pace of life we're living, and we're being loaded daily with God's blessings and benefits? and we somehow either don't see them enough or we fail to, that we would thank God daily. Just thank God daily and praise God for his blessings. Like, like what happens? Well, as I began to think and ponder that, I thought the book of Haggai. And I want you to turn to the book of Haggai. It's kind of a hard book to find. I'll encourage you to maybe do it this way. If you need to go to Matthew, that's the first book in the, in the New Testament, and back up, you'll be in Malachi, then back up one more book. You'll be in Zechariah, and then back one more book. And you'll be in the little short book, two chapters, we know as the book of Haggai. And that's where I am today. Well, I think the story told in the book of Haggai explains exactly what happens to us. And I think it'll be very practical. I think it'll be very helpful as we perhaps say, one of my weaknesses, I don't praise God enough. We say, well, I need to do better and with God's help, I'm going to do better, and I want to know what it is that keeps me from doing better. Well, the little book of Haggai helps us with that. Now, Haggai, before I read these verses, was one of God's prophets who came on the scene, and he came on the scene, and he had words for the tiny Remnant of exiles who had come back from Babylon, they'd come back to Jerusalem, they'd come back. Their main job was to rebuild the temple. The temple had been completely destroyed. And what they did, they came back to Jerusalem, this tiny remnant of exiles, and they cleared the temple mount, they got it all cleaned up. Then they built the foundation of what would be the temple, and when they completed that, and that was about a two-year period doing those two things, listen, they stopped, and for 16 years, it stayed like that, and what they were doing, they were building their own houses, and they were letting God's house lie in ruins, foundation only, and what happened, on to the stage comes this prophet Haggai. And he deals with this. Look in verse 1. It says, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the words of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel had been given the job of getting this temple rebuilt. And the word also came to Joshua, who was the high priest. And then look in verse 2. It says, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say, in other words, this is what the people are saying. Now they're back from their Babylonian captivity. Their assignment is to build God's house or rebuild it. And here's what they're saying. The time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. They said, look, we know we've come back for this, but isn't the time. There are other things. L. Verse 3, says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell in... Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in panel houses and this temple to lie in ruins? He said, in other words, you're saying it's not time to build God's house back. Uh, Is it time for you to just be building your houses and let God's house stay as it is? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, in other words, He's saying, look, you need to understand something. If that's your choice, choices have consequences. That's worth at least putting in your memory bank. We all make choices. It'd be a good sermon for another time. The fact of the matter is, choices... All choices have consequences. Good choices have good consequences. Bad choices have bad consequences. And God says, now look, you better consider your ways. He said that through Haggai the prophet. He said, you have so much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You're not satisfied is what he said. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You're still thirsty. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. He said, "You're you're doing all this stuff, but nothing's working out for you. You're doing things that produce money, but as you get it, it just kind of falls through the bottom of the bag, and you're no better off than you were when you started. He says that your choices have had bad consequences. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And here's what God told them to do through the prophet Haggai. He said, go up to the mountains and bring wood. Now, watch this, and build the temple. They've been all these years building their own nice homes. God said, no, no, no. That's not your assignment. Your assignment is to build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful story about people who have made bad choices. It had just stopped and sad it is. Now, here's, here's the deal. The message that God gave the prophet Haggai to the tiny remnant of exiles who had returned was very simply, and we see it in verse eight, build the temple. He said, you've been building your own stuff. You need to get back over in kingdom work and do what I've sent you here to do. But there's a secondary message in this for you and for me that I want us to see this morning. And this secondary message is that God God wants us to be busy doing what God has put us in this world to do. And as we see God's blessings come, in turn, praise needs to be a natural and normal thing coming from all of our lives, where we're giving God glory, we're giving God credit, and we're seeing God in all the good things that come our way in life. Now, here's here's something that I think will help us better move in that direction. We, we don't thank God for his daily blessings if we don't see God's daily blessings. If I'd given an outline for the bulletin, I would have that in the bulletin. You know, we, we wonder, you know, well, why don't we thank God for his daily blessings? Well, one reason is very simple. If you don't see God's daily blessings... You don't thank God for his daily blessings. You're not gonna thank God for something you do not even see. It's, It's just that simple for us to figure out. Now, that was the problem that this tiny remnant of exiles had. They focused, listen, they focused on their own houses rather than the house of God. You see the temple to the Jewish people, this was where the very presence of God would abide. So it was a very serious matter. But what they were doing, they were focusing on their houses. And many times I fear, if we're not on guard, we have that same attitude. It may not be our houses. It may be our hobbies. It may be our cars. It may be our projects. It may be our plans. <laughs> it just may be all about us. If, if we're not careful, we get so busy. All of us do. I deal with the same thing. You know, I have my things I care about. You have the things you care about. And we give all of ourselves to those things. And while we're doing that, we're missing seeing many times the blessings that God is loading us with, the benefits that are coming our way. And we're not going to be thanking God for them, for we don't see them. If we're consumed, which it seems like mankind today, and no one enjoys it more than I do, but we have, we've turned football and sports into gods. It's just unbelievable. I mean, grown men put on jerseys that professional players wear. I'd be ashamed to wear one. I hope I don't offend anybody. But uh, look, I, I, I don't want to go around like a grown man thinking I'm some guy to you there know, pro football uniform that has worked hard to do what he does. And maybe I wear that to to say, hey, I'm for this guy. He's my hero. Well, it's okay if he's your hero, as long as he's not your real hero. Folks, God is the hero. Jesus is the hero. That doesn't mean we don't like sports. We do. By the way, I guess you know, if you don't, I surely must tell you, University of Georgia will be playing for the Southeastern Conference Championship this weekend. Yeah. More about that next Sunday. More about that next Sunday. But I'm telling you what, did you, by the way, I'm just gonna have to stop. If you missed the last few seconds of the Alabama-Auburn game, you need to YouTube it, I think I see that it was like the chances of that happening again was like 0.01%, like 99.9%. It's impossible for that to happen. And I put it up today to show it to Dottie to show her that deal again. But look, as exciting as that was and as excited as all the Alabama people over in Tuscaloosa today and wherever else Alabama people may be, you know, that game, is exciting as it was, that game was that game and next week there'll have to be another game. I mean, there's just no end to that. Folks, look, we need to care more about God than we care about anything. That does not mean we don't care about other things, but other things come and go. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Could I have an amen to that? And at the end, and there will be an end and when you die, and you will, and so will I, what team we pull for won't matter. It's who we trusted in that will matter. And I just encourage you, don't make the same mistake that this tiny remnant of exiles made. They busy themselves with themselves And the sad thing is they miss seeing all the benefits and the blessings of God. If they didn't see them, they wouldn't think. Their problem, they had their priorities all out of order. Jesus dealt with that. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I just encourage you. It's a daily deal. It's a daily deal. There are many good things that are not bad things. But if we're not careful, they become the main thing. And when good things that are not bad things become the main thing, good things that are not bad things become the main things, they become our idols and our God. And sad it is, we miss seeing all the good things that God is loading us with every day of our life. Now, the question is, how do we go about seeing all of God's blessings? Well, i tell you this. We don't make the same mistake that this tiny remnant of exiles made. The way I would say what they did, if I were going to just paraphrase what they did, they put God on the back burner. You, you, people do that. Perhaps sometimes you do that. I fear sometimes I do this. Not that I don't believe God nor you, but if we're not careful, we do exactly what they did. They just left the temple in ruins, foundation only, and went over here for 16 years and built their own houses and took care of themselves. What did they do? They didn't quit believing in God. They just put God on the back burner, and that is not a good thing to do. And if we're not careful, we kind of do that. I think sometimes we have this idea, and I think they probably had this idea. We want God in the vicinity of our life, But we just really don't choose to have God in the midst of our life. There's a big difference. It's good to have God in the vicinity, but it's much better to have God in the midst of your life. And when God's in the midst of your life, the outpouring of that will be, you'll be praising God for all the things that God has done. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. It just how it works out. You'll, it'll just be a natural thing for you to say, you know, um, you'll be in a conversation with somebody and say, hey, God has been really good to me. Let me share what God has done. That happens when God's in the midst of your life. If God's back here on the back burner or God's just in the vicinity of your life, that thought just doesn't run across your mind. We're busy building our houses and doing our thing and doing our stuff. It's good when we say to people, when we have the opportunity, you know, God really came through for me on this deal. That's, that's giving God praise, and all of us have times when God really came through for us, when we're up against whatever or say, you know, God really did answer a prayer that I prayed and, and, and share how God, you say, yeah, but I have all these prayers I prayed God hasn't answered. Well, wait. You'll best to understand, and so will I. But in the meantime, don't focus just on those prayers. What about all these prayers God has answered that you've prayed, that I've prayed? Share that. With, that's just a real and a normal way to praise God for what God does and what God says. You know, when God is in the midst of our life, rather than the periphery of our life. We will see his daily benefits and blessings, and like the angels, we'll just praise the Lord. Well, I love that verse. I love that verse. Psalm 68, verse 19. You know, I I heard about a sermon that the pastor of the Times Square Church in New York, you know, you always think about New York, Times Square, all the theaters. Well, there's one theater that years ago was purchased by a church right in Times Square. And it's an unbelievable story, that church. And God is just moving in an unbelievable way. Dr. Kendall goes there once a month every Tuesday. They have Well, we have Wednesday night, they have Tuesday night. He preaches one of those Tuesday nights. But the pastor of that church shared something that I did not know that parallels what we're looking this morning. He shared this, and you may or may not know it. He shared that all caterpillars do not become butterflies. I didn't know that. I thought I thought caterpillar, caterpillars just all became butterflies. He said, no, that's not the case. And he went on to explain. And I, che- I you know, sometimes when, when we preachers share things, you wonder, I wonder, is that true? <laughs> well, I pray it is. I pray we're not sharing things not true. But I must confess, I thought, I don't believe that. I'm on YouTube, that deal. I'm on Google, that deal. I'll, I'll find out. Well, that preacher was dead right. I mean, he, was, he said all caterpillars do not become butterflies. And he explained why not. He said, now he went into more detail. And I have time this morning. He said, in layman's language, some caterpillars get bugs, get little bugs of some kind. Just like sometimes you and I pick up a bug. Well, these caterpillars, some of them pick up a bug. And when they get these different bugs, it, it prevents them from ever becoming a butterfly. Now, the majority of caterpillars don't get these bugs and they become butterflies. And when I, when I heard that preacher share that story, I heard about it. And then I did me a little investigation of it and thought, well, you know, this, I didn't know this, this is his. I thought, well, it it, it really parallels what I'm preaching Sunday. You see, like all Christians don't praise God. In fact, I, I may be stretching it, but I fear I'm correct. I think the majority of Christians are not people who go around praising God very much. Yet I know some, I, I must say, few, They, it, it's a natural, normal thing, but they just, in a normal, not mushy way, but they're just praising God for his blessings, praising God for his goodness when those blessings and good things come. And I thought, well, now how is it that so many Christians, and sometimes all of us, how could it be that Christians would not just all be kind of like, butterflies and and praise God and I thought, well I know exactly why it is. We pick up some bugs. And I thought about that. And I thought about some, I mentioned them quickly. One of the bugs is the comparison bug. I fear many times that as Christians we we compare our blessings with what we see as the blessings other people are getting. And as we do that, we think, well, I weigh this, is, you know, their blessings are far more than my blessings. Well, we're sure not going to naturally praise God. We've picked up the comparison bug. I think another bug would be the bitter bug. You know, if, you, if you're bitter about something, you're not going to be praising God about much, if anything. The old bitter bug just kind of keeps you as a caterpillar spiritually, if I can say it that way. And we have to guard against that. I I think another bug is the unforgiveness bug. If we have an unforgiving spirit, it's going to hamper and hinder our normal praising God. We're not even going to see the blessings that we should be praising God for. And then the worry bug. You know, that's another bug. If, If we're worrying about things, and sometimes we all find ourselves like that, When we're worried about things, we're not seeing God's blessings. If we're not seeing God's blessings, we're not going to be praising God. And so we have, in a sense, the same problem as believers, as Christians, when it comes to praise that caterpillars have when they get the bug and can't become a butterfly. Now, I just want you, you won't get it settled and answered here in our brief time this morning, but somewhere along this day, somewhere along this month as we come close now to the end of the year, one month to go after November. And it's during that month that I look at kind of where I am in my Christian life. I encourage you to look at where you are. I look at things like, how am I doing in my daily Bible reading plan? How am I doing in my quiet time? I look at things in my life that maybe I need to adjust, change, do better, delete, whatever they may be, to help me in the year ahead be a better Christian. Now, I want to encourage you, and I want to do the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing. To look at my life and ask myself and be honest, do other people hear me giving God praise as I ought? Not in some kind of superficial way, but in a real way? Or am I just going through my life and and every now and then acknowledge God about this and that and yonder, and God be in the periphery, God be on the back burner. I'm still a Christian. You're still a Christian. I'm saying to you, Christians need to be a praise in people. Could I have an amen? and, and We ought not to be ashamed to say, hey, God really came through for me on this. God really did answer this prayer. God really did meet this need. God has loaded me with blessings I've never even imagined. And boy, when that happens, what a tremendous witness for God we can become. I'll just simply say, God put on my heart to preach a sermon, thank God. God daily. When we pray, we act like men. When we praise, we act like angels. And I want God to help me. And I think you want God to help you to be like the angels, praising God for his goodness and his blessings. Now, as I think about that, I think, well, (laughs) in order to be a praising Christian, you're going to have to be a Christian. Like a non-believer is not going to be a praising Christian. A non-believer is going to take a lot of credit for what they've done, not for what God has done. And it might be on this last Sunday in November in the room this morning or watching, either way, some might say, you know what, I'm not 100% certain that I am a Christian. I think I am. I think when I die, I'll go to heaven. But I honestly couldn't say I have every confidence that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Well, I'm saying to you this morning, I want to praise God you came to church because here's why. You have a choice this morning to make. If you make the right choice, the consequence is wonderful. If you make the wrong choice, the consequence is eternally horrible. So I want you to bow with me, every head bow. First of all, to believers, you know you're a Christian. Ask God this morning to help you to see all the daily benefits and blessings that come to you. And ask God to help you that you will give him praise, just like the scripture says. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give God credit. Give God glory. Ask God to help you do better at that. And then while believers, Christians are doing that, to some today that would say, I'm not 100% certain that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Okay. You have a choice this morning. I encourage you to make the right choice. And the right choice is to humble yourself, admit you're a sinner, repent of your sins, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, and make you a Christian. Oh my, you say, How'd I do that? Well, in your heart, you pray this prayer. Now, just saying the prayer won't make you a Christian. But trusting God to do what you're asking God to do in the prayer is how you become a Christian. Just say, dear God, thank you that you love me. I admit I'm a sinner. God, I, I, I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart right now. Forgive me for my sins. Make me a Christian. I trust you, Jesus, to save me. I thank you today, God. I have settled my salvation. I have settled my eternity. I love you, God. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name.